Well, today we are going to continue our series entitled The Crushing. And uh, last Sunday we talked about two uh, types of crushing in the life of a believer. And today I want to kind of just start out real briefly and introduce a third type of crushing because if you're here today or you're watching me online and you are not a Christian, if you're not born again, you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your Lord, as your Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean you're not a good person. doesn't mean you're not a moral person. It doesn't mean you don't care about people. It just simply means that you have never accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for your sins and you're living in separation from God the Father. Because the Bible says that if you are living in separation from God the Father because you've rejected Jesus, then you will be crushed by your sin. Your sin will crush your life. Your sin will literally bring you to a place of ultimate destruction where you will eternally and forever be separated from God in what the Bible calls a place called hell. So there is a crushing from sin that impacts the life of every person that has yet to accept Jesus Christ. As long as I have rejected him, then the Bible says I am dead in my sins, I am separated from God, and apart from Jesus there is no hope. Now the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to live that way and you don't have to die that way. Can I get an amen from somebody? You don't have to live apart from Christ and you don't have to die apart from Christ. You can accept the gift of his salvation and you'll have an opportunity to do that today before we walk out of this service this morning. And so last week we talked about two crushings in the life of the believer. So there's the crushing of sin that comes in the life of an individual that doesn't know God that ultimately destroys them. But there's two types of crushing in the life of the believer. The first type is also a crushing from sin. If you are a Christian and you are born again and there is sin in your life, how many know that God loves you so much, that God cares about you so much that he will not look the other way? God will never look the other way when it comes to sin in the heart and life of a believer. As a matter of fact, God loves you so much that he refuses to allow that thing in your life that is destroying you to continue to rob you of the potential and the life that he has for you. God loves you so much that as a Christian, as one of his children, that God will literally put his hand upon you. He'll put his thumb on that thing in your life and he will begin to apply pressure, right? It's kind of like a deep tissue massage, right? It hurts really bad. And you will feel the pain of his crushing because God refuses to leave you in a place where you're living short of the glory of God. He is so invested and he is so committed to the process of you becoming who he's called you to be that he refuses to let that thing in your life that is killing you spiritually, robbing you physically, destroying you financially, he refuses to look the other way. As a matter of fact, God will laser beam focus on that thing in your life. Have you ever felt like God had a laser beam on you? Ever felt that before? Where it was like, God, I mean, can you see anything else about that one thing that you've got your thumb on? And God loves you so much that he will put the pressure on that thing in your life. Why? Because God wants to work out of you that thing that is in you that's keeping you from the fullness of life that he has in Christ. Now the second type of crushing is the crushing that comes in the life of a believer when you are not living in sin, but when you're actually doing the thing that pleases the Lord. There's a suffering that actually comes from righteousness. Because God, as I just said, is, not, is so committed to the process of what the Bible calls sanctification. 
And that is that God wants to perfect you. God wants to continually work upon you, daily forming and fashioning in your life and in my life the image of Jesus Christ. And he's not going to stop working on you until you look like Jesus. Now let's just be honest. The truth is we probably got a little ways to go. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so the realization is because we're a work in process, God is committed to that. And so God is committed to putting pressure on your life. God is committed as the potter to put his hand on your life and continually shape you and fashion you and form you and not just to work out of you the things that don't belong, but literally to draw out of you what does belong. See, when you got born again, God made a supernatural deposit in your life. Let me say that again. When you got born again, God made a supernatural deposit in your life. That's why the Bible says that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say we work for our salvation. We work out our salvation. Why? Because God made a deposit in your life. And from the moment of salvation until the moment that you die and meet the Lord, God is committed to working out of you what he has put in you for the glory of the Father. And so we're in this process of sanctification that we're calling the crushing, where God loves us so much that he puts his hand upon our life to work out the things that don't belong and to draw out the things that he deposited in us so we can fully become the people he's created us to be. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I want to read this to you again. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says this. It says, For everything there is a season... And a time for every activity under heaven. For everything there is a season and a time for every activity under heaven. I want you to hear this this morning. Every season requires a shape. What do I mean by that? With every time you go into a new season of life, every new season of your life requires a new shape in your life. Let's just think about that for just a second in the natural how many of you understand that when a baby is born and that infant comes out of the womb, they have a shape for that season. They are perfectly shaped to be 100% taken care of. Amen? They're perfectly shaped just to receive love and affirmation and encouragement. As a matter of fact, they are not shaped for anything else other than total care and total dependency upon other people to care for them. As a matter of fact, John Wesley Smith and Jude were over at the house yesterday, and Jude was sitting there as happy as he could be with his pacifier in his mouth, and then he took his own hand that he can't control and pulled his pacifier out and started crying. Because <laughs> he has not yet been shaped to the point where he can even control his own hands. And then that little baby grows up, right, and they become a toddler, and all of a sudden they have a new shape. Isn't it amazing when your kids are growing up? I mean, we're doing the grandbaby thing right now. It's amazing how week to week they change and how you see this happening and this happening and this happening. And before you know it, they're walking and they're talking, and now you're saying, no, no, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that, right? Because all of a sudden, with every season of life, they have a different shape. And then they become preteens, and then they become teenagers. Help us, Lord Jesus. And then they become young adults. And the realization is with every, every season, there is a shape. You don't take an infant and put them behind the wheel of a car because they're not shaped for that season. 
You don't take a kindergartner and put him in college because he's not shaped for that season. You don't take a third grader and put him on the assembly line at the factory because he's not shaped for that season. And every season of your life determines and requires a unique shape for you to walk in and walk out that purpose. Now, when you think about it just relationally, think about it for just a second. Any single people in the house? All my youth, y'all are all married. I'm like, come on, help us, Jesus. Any single people in the house, come on, let me see. No, no, no shame right here. Come on, amen. Any married people in the house? Any grandparents in the house? All right, let's talk about this for a second. Relational seasons. When you're single, how many know that when you're single, you're shaped for singlehood? Levi, my son, he's 21 years old, and he is, he's like living the single life. I mean, like, no cares. Like, spend every dollar you make on his third motorcycle. I mean, he's shaped for singlehood. How many of you know that when you go from being single to being married, it requires a different shape? The shape of singlehood does not work in the season of married life. As a matter of fact, if you, if you move seasons without changing shapes, not only will you be frustrated, but you will frustrate everybody connected to you. Because the worst thing that can happen in a married life is for a married person in a married season to act like they're still single. Because if you're still living in a single season while you're in a married life, you're going to create chaos and you probably won't be married very long. Because every season of your life requires a different shape. It requires you to change. It requires you to grow. It requires you to become something you had never been before because you're in a new season that you've never walked in. Right? How many grandparents in the house today, right? So me and Kelly, we're kind of figuring out this grandparent thing. It's really fun. Play with them, spoil them, send them home. I'm loving it. I'm like, man, you ought to do this first. But it doesn't work that way, praise God. So what I want you to understand, today's message, what we're going to talk about today, is we're going to talk about how that God is crushing us, and how that God is shaping us, and how that God is changing us, because God wants to take you to a new season in your life. And if you are unwilling to change for the new season, then you end up getting stuck where you're at. And let me tell you, the only thing that's worse than the pain of change is the pain of staying the same. I'm just going to tell you what grieves my heart as much as anything is to see stagnant, stale believers who are stuck where they've been for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. When you talk to somebody and the last move of God that they're talking about was something that happened 20 years ago, they're stuck. Because God is always doing a new thing. Can I get an amen? In Isaiah, the Lord said this. He said, forget the former things. Because behold, I'm doing a new thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That process of being crushed by the hand of God so that we can be shaped for a new season and experience the fresh thing, the new thing that God really does desire to do in our lives. Look at that first point on your outline. God's crushing always declares the end of something old and the beginning of something new. Let me stop there for just a second. Boy, when you come to church and you start talking about God's going to do a new thing, God's got exciting things and there's powerful things and God wants to do something new, we get excited, we shout, we hoop and we holler. But I think what we forget is simply this. In order for there to be a new thing, there's got to be death to an old thing. 
In order for there to be a new thing, there has to be a death to an old thing. In order for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a crucifixion. In order for God to burst something new in you, God has to bring an end of something that is within you that is keeping you from moving to the next season. Let me give you a revelation today. What you are right now and what you have right now is not enough to take you to the next season. See, who you are right now was enough to get you where you are. But you can't stay the same. Because who you are right now is not enough to get you to the next level that God is calling you to. You are going to have to change. You are going to have to grow. You are going to have to be reshaped and restructured by the hand of God if you're going to step into the next season of life that God has purposed for you. So in order for there to be a new, you got to realize there's got to be an end to the old. And it's exciting to talk about new things. And it's not fun to say goodbye to the old. Because we get complacent and we get comfortable and we get content in our current season. Failing to realize that our best season is in front of us. Let me encourage you in this today. Your best season is always in front of you. Your best season is always in front of you. And if you believe, hear me, if you believe that your best days are behind you, you have believed a lie. Because the only way that your best days are behind you is if you stop growing. If you stop growing and stop changing and start resisting the crushing of God, then your best days are behind you. But if you keep growing and keep submitting and keep receiving the work of God's hand in your life, then your best days are always in front of you because the best is always yet to come. Amen? So let's look at the rest of that statement. So God's crushing always brings an end to something old and the beginning of something new. A new thing means a renewed promise of better things to come. If we are crushed now, it is because God wants to resurrect us for greater things tomorrow. And Jesus is the perfect picture of this promise to us. Look with me in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah is speaking prophetically of Jesus. And he says, surely he, speaking of Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The scripture says, if you go on in Isaiah, that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God to crush his son under the weight and the sin of the entire world. Why? Because God knew that through the crushing of Jesus, not only would there be a resurrection of Christ, but that we too would be resurrected. See, his crushing not only produced his resurrection, but his crushing produced our resurrection. Let me give you a thought to wrap your mind around this morning. Many times God will crush you, but it won't be for you. God will crush you because God wants to resurrect something new in your life. 
Yes, that you will enjoy through the personal resurrection, but God will crush you because he wants to use you to raise other people up. Let me give you a great gospel revelation. It's not all about you. God has a plan. Come on, somebody. And God's plan is bigger than your personal happiness and your personal joy. God is not making decisions in heaven based upon how happy it's going to make you. God is making decisions in heaven based upon how is it going to advance his purpose in the earth, which is the salvation and transformation of all humanity. And Jesus, who is the perfect picture of this crushing, endured a crushing so he could have a personal resurrection, but more importantly, so that through the crushing of his life, we too could be raised to life. And you know what's amazing? We've all seen this, right? We've all seen this in families. You see one person in a family come to Christ, and you'll see a whole family raised to a new life. Hadn't you seen it? Maybe you saw it in your own family. One person came to Christ. One person came, and all of a sudden, God began to work on them. You know what's crazy? If you're the only Christian in the family, the weight of shining the light into that family lays on your shoulders. And what happens many times, if you're the only Christian in the family, you feel like it's unfair because everybody else gets to act any way they want to act, but you got to act like Jesus. Right? Anybody else can say anything they want to say, but you can't say what they say because you're a representative of Jesus Christ. And anybody else can cuss and scream and hoop and holler, but you've got to walk in forgiveness and grace and truth. And you're like, God, this ain't fair. They're acting any way they want to act, and because I'm following you, I just can't act that way. And it's just not fair. And God says, wonderful. It is 100% not fair, but it is the righteous plan of God that through the crushing of your own pride that wants to have your way, God will use the crushing of your life to bring salvation and transformation to the people that are in your world. It happens on the job, right? If you're a Christian on the job and you're really living a Christian life, there are some things you don't do. There are some things you don't say. There are some shortcuts you don't take that other people take. But because you're a Christian, you don't cross those lines. And it seems like you might have to work harder than everybody else works. You might have to go the extra mile. You might have to come in a little earlier. You might have to stay a little late. And you might bear the blunt of the work because you're a Christian and you just can't cheat your boss by doing the things everybody else does. And the devil will tell you that is unfair. And God will tell you it is not unfair. It is the righteous plan of the Lord that through the crushing of one life, many might be raised to life. Because let me tell you what I know about those people you work with. They may not applaud you in public, but they admire you in private. And when all hell breaks loose in their life and they feel the crushing of their sin, they're going to be looking to you for the answers to their problems. And it is your willingness to endure the crushing in the moment that sets you up to be the voice of truth that brings righteousness into their lives when they need it the most. How many know it wasn't fair for Jesus to die for my sin and your sin? But it was God's plan. And I'm thankful that somebody else bore my sin so I could bear his righteousness. And that is the work of God's righteousness. So God crushes us so he can raise us and raise other people to life. Remember, crushing is not your destruction. 
Crushing is the reshaping of your heart and your life so that you can move into a new season with greater power and greater glory to touch our world. Look at that next point. God's crushing not only brings resurrection, but God's crushing also brings transformation. We can look and see that many things undergo a crushing and are ultimately changed forever. Olives are crushed into oil, grapes are turned into wine, and coal can be transformed into diamonds. God reconstructs to bring new life, but everything hinges on the amount of our submission. See, in Luke chapter 5, listen to this, Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. For new wine must be stored into new wineskins. New wine requires a new wineskin. So what does that mean? It means that God can't do something new in you until you're willing to be transformed into a vessel that can receive it. God does not put new wine in old wineskins because he loves them both too much. Listen to me. God loves the work of his spirit, the new wine, and God loves you and me, the vessels in which he works, too much to put new wine in an old wineskin. Because if he says, if I put new wine in an old wineskin, it'll burst the wineskin and we'll lose the wineskin and the wine, they'll fall to the wayside. And we've all seen that over and over, right? We've seen it in the secular world. Think about how many people that you have seen come to a place of success, but they didn't have the character to sustain them. And what was intended to prosper them ended up destroying them. I think of athletes and actors all the time who rise the ladder of success in a moment. And all of a sudden, they got more money, more power, more prestige than they ever imagined. And they don't have the character to sustain it. And what was intended to bless them ends up destroying them because they don't have the wineskin to contain the wine of greater blessing. And so God is committed. I want you to hear me today. God is so committed to you becoming a new creation in Him that He refuses to give new wine until you have a new wine skin. See, we would like it exactly the opposite, right? We'd say, God, do a fresh work in me, and when you do a fresh work in me, then I'll become the person that I need to be to sustain the work that you're doing in me, and God says no. God says there's no new wine until there's a new wine skin. God says I can't pour out a new thing until I reshape you for a new season so you can contain the thing that I'm wanting to pour into your life. Look at the scriptures with me in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies. This is submission. We've got to daily submit. We're going to talk about this a little more in a minute. We've got to daily submit our lives as living sacrifices before the Lord, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Look at verse 2. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis is the word where we get our word metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says, be transformed by letting God change the way you think. Let me just tell you what I think to be the number one limiting factor of our transformation. It's the way we think. I believe the greatest thing keeping us from, bec from becoming a new vessel to receive new wine is that we have old thinking. 
And until I allow God to renew the way I think and change my life, transform me into a new person so I can receive new wine, so I can step into a new season, always begins with the transformation of the way that I think. See, as long as you think like an employee, you'll never be an employer. As long as you think like a slave, you'll never act like a son. As long, as long as you think like a follower, you'll never be a leader. As long as you think, think about this, as long as you think about what I can receive instead of thinking about what I can give, you'll stay stuck. Let me tell you what, the greatest transition that I see in people's life, I wonder sometimes, how can so many people come to church and so few people that come to church actually engage in ministry? Let me tell you why. Because I meet people all the time that come to church to receive. I go to conferences with people. And people going to conferences, all they wonder is, what am I going to get when I go to that conference? I'm just going to tell you right now. It's been a long time since I've went anywhere and wondered what I was going to get. When I go to a conference and I'm not on the stage, I'm out there in the audience, you know what I do? I walk into that conference wondering what can I give to the people that are there that day? Who can I encourage? Who can I bless? Who can I help? Who can I support? And I'm always ready to receive, but I never go in with a mentality that says, what can I get? I always walk into every room that I walk into wondering what can I give? And the greatest reward, hear me today, the greatest reward of your Christianity will not be defined by what you receive when you go to church. The greatest reward of your Christianity will be defined by what you give when you go to church, when you go to work, when you go home. Every time you walk in a room, if you're thinking, what am I going to get? Then you're saying, I'm going to be stuck right here. I'm going to be stuck with the reward of receiving, which is always less than the reward of giving. The reward of giving always exceeds the reward of receiving exponentially. And if you, if you, if you don't change the way you think, you'll live your life as a receiver and a taker instead of as a giver and ultimately a leader. And so all of a sudden we recognize something. We recognize that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the degree that I resist that is the degree that I stay stuck where I'm at. Unable to move to a new season. Unable to get fresh wine. And unable to go to the place that God has called me to go. But when I submit to that, when I submit to that work of God's grace of transformation. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I share with our leaders this morning, I do a little Sunday morning text to our leaders. I was reminded this morning of that little children's song, right? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the sun and the moon and the stars, but he's still working on me. You know what? I know that's so true, and I'm so thankful he's still working on me. You know why? Because I'm not done yet. How about you? My best days are not behind me. My best days are in front of me. And I want to run hard after what God has. The only way to run hard after what God has is I have to be willing to submit daily to the process of transformation that comes through the renewing of my mind. Look at that next point on your outline. Don't despise your current state because it's preparing you 
for the future surprise God has in store for you. Let me tell you something. God's got great things in store for your life. And, and the Lord wants to surprise you with amazing things. When I was 18 years old, if you'd have told me when I graduated high school, one day I'd be a pastor and a preacher standing up in front of people speaking on a consistent basis, I would have laughed you off the place of the planet. But surprise, God had something in store for me. Guess what? Surprise, God has something in store for you. Listen to this. It's in those crushing moments that you and I have to pray God's will to stay in his hands. We have to pray, God, I want to do your will so I can stay in your hands. I have to pray to stay. I want you to hear that. You have to pray to stay in the will of God. Just imagine what unlimited version of yourself awaits you on the other side of God's crushing. Luke chapter 22. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And the Bible says in verse 39, Jesus went out as usual, I love that word, as usual, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Verse 42 says that Jesus went before the Father praying, Lord, if you're willing, take this, willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And verse 44 says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Three times Jesus prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, God, if there's a plan B, let's do it. But nevertheless, not my will, God, but your will be done. I want you to see something in this. Jesus went, the Bible says, to the Mount of Olives. He actually went one one gospel account calls it, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The Garden of Gethsemane set at the Mount of Olives. Guess what was growing on the Mount of Olives? Olives. And the word Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus went before he went to the cross, the word Gethsemane means the olive press. It literally means the place of crushing. And so I want you to see something. Before Jesus was crushed on the cross with our sins, he was crushed in the garden when he submitted to the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear this. It was in the garden that Jesus received the grace to endure the cross. He was transformed in the garden so that he was a new wineskin ready to receive new wine. And when Jesus went to the cross, he was different than he was in the garden because something changed in that crushing place. God wants to transform you into the image and likeness of Jesus. And what I love about that scripture, it says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives as usual. It gives an indication of something. Jesus had a habit of going to Gethsemane for prayer. Let me encourage you in something. Jesus gives us a beautiful model here today. Instead of waiting on God to confront you and then crush you, what would happen if you had a habit of going to the crushing place? See, I believe that's what your daily quiet time is. Your daily time at the feet of Jesus is about every day I'm going to go to that place of crushing. Every day I'm going to go to the garden 
so I'll be ready for the cross. Every day I'm going to go to the garden where I'm going to submit my will to the will of the Father. Because let me, let me encourage you in this today. Your time of prayer and your time of word in the Word and your time of intimacy with God is not about you getting God to do your will. Prayer, worship, and the Word is about creating an atmosphere where you surrender your will to the will of the Father. See, the reason so many Christians are frustrated with prayer is because they think God is a genie in the bottle, and the more I pray, the more He works. And God says, I'm God, and you're not. I'm the Father, you're the Son. I'm the Master, you're the slave. Let's get it right. The servant doesn't give the master orders. The servant submits to the will of the master knowing that he's a good, good father. And so it's that daily time of going to the garden. It's that daily time of going to the Lord. And this is what I found out through consistently doing that over the years. I found out that if I will consistently stay at the feet of Jesus and I will come to God to be crushed, instead of waiting on God to chase me down. When I was 19 years old and God wanted to call me in the ministry, he had to chase me down because I was running pretty hard. Because <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted to do in my life. But since then, I've learned how important it is to go to the garden every day. To every day submit my will. To every day submit my plans. To every day submit my thoughts. To every day submit my agenda. To every day submit my ideas and my philosophies of who I am and what God's called me to do. Because I'm just telling you, it's amazing in one day how messed up we can get. You can walk out of his presence one morning having a good purpose of who God has called you to be. And by tomorrow morning, you can already be messed up in your mind. You can already buy a lie. You can already grab hold of a falsehood. You can already get sidetracked by the things of this world. And it is so important that we daily go to that place of crushing. Because it's in that place of crushing that we become who God has called us to be. Remember, God is not crushing you to destroy you. God is crushing you to draw out of you what he's put in your life. Look at that last point. Our beliefs of God's promises has to be greater than the pressure and pain of God's crushing. In order for us to become new creations, we have to trust God completely. We, when we believe that God's, that when we believe God enough to stay the course in the hardest moments, God protects us and God blesses our faith. It's, it's staying the course. It's staying the course. I'll, I'll never forget. Kelly went through a 10-year battle of severe depression. You guys know that. There was a defining moment in that process for me. She had had a really bad day. She was in the bed. The girls were little. Levi wasn't born yet. The girls were little. And I picked them up from school, and I'd done all those things, cooked supper, and put them in the bed, got them bassed, did all that stuff. And I was in there washing dishes, and I was mentally and emotionally exhausted. And I remember I was putting a cup up in the, in the cabinet that I just washed and dried. And I said, God, what are you doing? And he said, I'm making you into a great leader. I said, by doing dishes? <laughs> I'll never forget what he said. He said, I'm teaching you how to love and how to serve unconditionally. If you can learn to love people 
and serve people unconditionally with no expectation of return. He said, you can lead nations. He said, but as long as you love and serve with a return in mind, then you will always be limited by the choices and decisions of other people instead of being liberated by the power and the grace of my spirit in your life. And he crushed me. And let me just tell you, he's still crushing me. And I'm glad because he's not done yet. And he's not done with you. Let's bow our heads together. This morning, I don't know where you're at in the process. But I know this, that God's committed to you. And I want to encourage you this morning. The process, as far as time, is very much dictated by our submission. Some things are slow, I'm just going to be honest with you. And some things are fast. But you can slow down the slow things and you can slow down the fast things when you refuse to submit. And remember, the greatest limit to your new level of life is your thinking. God wants to change the way you think about yourself, about others, and about Him. And we have limiting beliefs that keep us from going to a new level so we can receive new wine. And this morning, God is simply saying this. Let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So maybe you're here and you know you're a Christian. You know you're saved. You know that God's working on you. I want to challenge you today. What, what are the limiting thoughts that need to be changed? Is it how you're viewing yourself? Is it how you're viewing other people? Is it how you're viewing God? Is it how you view money or work or relationships? I want to challenge you today as the Holy Spirit because God's already got his thumb on it. God's hand is already on your life and he is, he's already doing some crushing. God is drawing out of you the right things. And I want to challenge you this morning to just submit your life to that. Just as Jesus submitted his will so he could become the vessel that he needed to be to receive the grace to walk through the cross, you and I have to submit our wills. So we can receive the grace we need to do the thing God's called us to do. And the good news of the gospel is God is cheering for you. <laughs> the potter is not against you. The potter is for you. So I want to encourage you to take some time right now just to do that. If you're here today or you're watching online and maybe you realize, hey, I, I'm not in the potter's hands. At the beginning of the message, Pastor Keith, you talked about me. You talked about that person that maybe I'm moral, maybe I'm good, but I've never submitted my life to Jesus. He's not the Lord of my life, and I want to change that today. I want to be born again. That's what the Bible calls it. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Literally, I want to give him ownership over me, and I want to receive the gift that he freely gives, which is the gift of eternal life to those that would trust him. If that's you this morning, whether you're in, in person or whether you're online, I want you just to raise your hand and say, right now, Pastor Keith, I want to pray to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. You can type in that comment box. I'm raising my hand. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I've never been saved, 
And I realize that my sin is one day going to crush me. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but there is an end to my life that will come. And without Jesus, I know today there's no hope and I want to trust him. If that's you, just slip your hand up just very simply and say, today's my day. I want us to pray together right now. I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, just to say this prayer with me. Let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. And you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again that I might be saved, set free, and made whole. I confess I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen, amen. All right, we love you guys. Make sure to stop by the information booth. We've got a lot of people. Please be patient, but let's get every backpack adopted today before we go. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.